Evening everyone, welcome to Red Voices, Ewan and Paul on hand to cover a ton of Manchester United stuffs and happenings over the last two weeks, including three games, two wins, no goals conceded, two players brought in, uh, but uh, Paul, how are we? Oh, I'm not too bad, thanks Ewan, uh, quite glad of the winter break, how are you? Uh, exactly the same, Wow. I mean, United don't play for another 14 days, so recording this on the Monday night, uh, two days after the uh, board draw with Wolves, and gosh, what a nice time it'll be for not only the players to get a bit of a rest, but for the fans to have a break just for a little while. Some yeah. respite's been long overdue, isn't it? We'll kick things off with a chat about the Tramier game, because that was arguably the most fun we've had over the last fortnight. You know, First yeah. time we've scored six goals since... The 8-2 against Arsenal in uh, Sir Alex Ferguson's uh, penultimate season in charge, which is mad when you think about it, considering that we have played some pretty crap teams. But I guess maybe over the course of those years, we've been pretty crap. But yeah, pretty fun afternoon all day round, considering it could have been a a rather difficult afternoon's work with uh, Tranmere only just uh, beating Premier League high-flying Watford, who, of course, we lost to last (laughs) month. Uh, well, the previous month anyway, but still, it looked like it could be a tricky assignment, but we dealt with that pretty well, yeah? It had all the hallmarks, didn't it? All the hallmarks of, of like a classic giant killing bad pitch, aggressive opponents, a crowd just up for it, ready, ready for it. And, you know, obviously coming off the back of the Burnley match, spirits were really low and you just thought, oh, this is a massive banana skin. You know, all the cliches that come out with the FA Cup. But, you know, it was a decent performance. We needed it after that Burnley match. It was, you know, a bit of a confidence boost. Mm. Uh, and I thought we we knew exactly what what Tranmere were going to do, didn't we? We knew they were going to come out for the, in the first 10 minutes and be aggressive and, and hit us hard. And that's exactly what they did. And we coped pretty well. Six fantastic goals, you have to say. And, I mean, for me, the moment of the match was Phil Jones not not scoring, but about 30 seconds in, the camera pans to him and he's just absolutely caked in mud. Just classic <laughs> Phil Jones, you know. It reminded me of that scene in Withnell and I when um, Andy comes back from from down the hill and he's just like Withnell's just like, "What happened to you? Covered in shit." It's just Phil Jones all over. Unbelievable. It, yeah, I mean that that uh, that's one for the slightly older generation. I mean, I, yeah. I guess I can kind of probably fit into that at this point soon. Oh wow! Oh <laughs> goddamn. But yeah, I mean, you, you're completely right. I mean, it could have been a very, very awkward afternoon's work for United. You know, Tranmere having, as I just said, beaten Watford a couple of days previously. Rubbish pitch. Uh, the home fans and the home team were certainly up for it. But I thought United actually did a good job of taking this thing out of the game very early. And something yeah, that we haven't done very well over the last sort of five or six years is actually properly force the issue. And United scoring five goals in that first half. They knew that one, once they got past the break, their job was done. You know, their job was done literally in the first 20 minutes. All started off with the man that we all reasonably assumed would help us get better at corners and score goals and set pieces. Scoring an absolute thunder bastard within the first 15 minutes. Harry Maguire with an absolute belter. Absolutely stunning goal, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. I do, you know, I do like Harry Maguire. He's had a lot of criticism, and rightly so, I think, this season. Um, but that would have done him the world of good and, and obviously he's a captain now officially. But yeah, he just struck it so sweetly. And it, you know, we, we did weather that storm early on with, cause they had a few corners and set pieces and stuff and we're notoriously bad this season from set pieces. And you think if one of those goes in, this could be horrific. But yeah, Maguire steps up 
And uh, it was a bloody Cristiano Ronaldo-style goal. It was absolutely stunning. Mm, yeah, absolutely wonderful strike. And a uh, really lovely moment for Diogo Dallo to actually get his first for the club. I mean, that's not really what we bought him for in the first place. you know. And he's had a, a tricky year and a half at United. You know, There's obviously the fact that... You know, he's been bedded in at the same time with a team that is just all over the shop mentally and indeed physically. And obviously, Wambasaka has made the right back berth his own in the, the last sort of six, seven months. So that's been difficult for him to readjust to whilst he's trying to figure out where he actually fits into this side. But he took his goal very well. Lovely little turn inside and a great finish. And you can see how much that meant to him as well. So that was a really nice moment indeed. And then yeah. a player who's had a lot of stick for let's say the best part of 12 months Jesse Lingard curling one in I mean what did you make of his use of you know the the Jay Ling's uh, signature celebration for Uh, uh, lowly league one Tramia Rovers I don't know is it it just kind of he just does it habitually now because even if you can't even really argue that though can you because it's been so long you're sort of wondering if maybe they get his fingers the wrong way round or I don't know I mean it's I think there's a time. You could easily place. have ended up swearing at the camera. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I suppose that's his goal celebration, isn't it? And I'm sure he still practices it on the training pitch and stuff. I'm kind of, I was pleased for him to <laughs> score, but yeah, I, I'm not sure that was really. And, and it was also at the at Tranmere. It's not like you just scored against Barcelona, mate. So yeah, very in true. a little bit, you know. But yeah, but he, I suppose you know he's been through a lot, obviously, off the pitch. In the last year or so, as well, so it must have been a huge relief for him. And I'm guessing he just he did it just out of out of sort of habit, really. Yeah, I mean, what his first goal in English football for twelve months was it? You know, obviously he got the goal against Astana in the Europa League a couple of months ago, but that was his yeah. first goal in a domestic competition. Which is, you know, for a player that's played as much football as Jesse Lingard, yeah, he's been through a lot, and I absolutely have the greatest sympathy and respect for him, regardless of that. Yeah, but yeah, uh, nice to see him get the goal. Nice to get the goal. You're sort of wanting him then, because I think every United fan then is thinking, oh, hopefully that's gonna, you know, really increase his confidence and give him a bit of a lift. No, I mean we'll go on. We'll go on to that, won't we? In the, over the next few games, but yeah, it didn't really have that have that effect. I don't think. No, no. I mean, I guess that the real heartwarming moment of the afternoon was the score of the fourth goal. Phil yeah. Jones with his first goal since playing West Brom at the Hawthorns in 2014. That is. That was the the uh, Fergus last game, wasn't it? No, 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 no. This was under Moyes. Under Moyes. Oh, right. Exactly, yeah, yeah. It's more, more he's getting the best out of Jonesy. I know, a ridiculous idea. Uh, well, to be fair, like, uh, barring one slip here and there, and obviously the fact that he was completely caked in mud obviously made the whole afternoon's work a lot funnier. I thought it was... It, I'm not against Phil Jones having a good game now and then. I don't think anyone no, really is. And to see him get a header like that, that was a that was a set piece goal right there, Paul. I mean, how how much? How, what are the odds on us getting a set piece goal these days? Someone out there, some plucky United fan, is having an absolute field day on the back of this almost a week later. Yeah, I, you know, you, you want to see that more. I mean, it was a good goal, a good, a really good sort of defender's goal from a set piece, you know, that classic style, Steve Bruce, you know, and I was pleased for him because bloody eyes had some stick and, and again, deservedly so, but, you know, we, we've talked about him plenty on the podcast, you know, how it's almost harrowing watching him these days. And yeah, again, it's against Tranmere, but he took it well, you know, and, and 
he attacked the ball and you, you want to see that from set pieces you want to see your, your, your big lads from the back getting up and and attacking the ball so yeah they're chuffed for him yeah, yeah, and you know Anthony Martial, a lad who's come under fire and who particularly came under fire for his performance on Saturday at Old Trafford mm. against Wolves, curling in number five. I mean, again, that was a good goal for him to get. You know, he's yeah. again had a lot of stick himself, and given the circumstances, I think with a more sort of overall view of what United have been going through over the last several months, it's perhaps not surprising that he is struggling in the way he is. But regardless, that was a nice. It, it was a nice brief moment of respite for him to actually get that fifth goal obviously by that point the game was long since won and it was just a case of right who can we bring on who deserves a a nice sort of confidence boosting goal I mean Tahith Chung came very close to getting it himself yeah, but I, he did. I just it feel like he's shot. he's fated never to score for United before he leaves in the summer I'm sure of it yeah no it, it was a really good shot that yeah and you're right I mean every single player that scored really needed it and just saying that 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 you know we've been going through each player and pretty much every single one we've said oh you know they've had a lot of stick this season I think maybe just the whole team's had a lot of stick really well I mean even Marcus Rashford who is having his best season ever has taken absolute pelters yeah, even he earlier in the season was was getting you know quite a bit of abuse. So I mean, Pogba's taking stick, and he's barely fucking played. <laughs> exactly. You know, yeah, but the game we needed to win that game, obviously. But to get a, a, a such a nice you know six nil was great going into the City game because um, you know if we if we even if we'd struggled and just sort of got a scrappy one nil after that Burnley match when the spirits were so low, I think um, yeah we needed we needed to make a little bit of a statement. Even, even if it wasn't just against Tranmere. Sure, yeah, and I think because spirits were so low, as you said there, in the aftermath of the game at Old Trafford against Burnley, it was important for United, with that City game coming up, and obviously with things as they are, with us all knowing that reinforcements were needed with the January transfer window and all this other stuff that's surrounding the club at the moment, and in particular what's been going on with Ed Woodward and this disastrously ill-fated PR campaign it was just a nice distraction you know it's one of the more enjoyable games that I've seen from United this season in terms of its simplicity it was just nice to see us play a low-level opponent who allowed us to play on the front foot and we just created a load of chances and looked lethal in front of goal you know again great to see Mason get a goal it's always nice to see him contributing and it was nice to see him yeah. get the penalty. <clears throat> Interesting that Solskjaer actually said, yes, you must take this and take yeah. it away from Pereira, I think it was. Um, I mean, again, he's another lad who could probably have done with the goal because he's been having a lot of criticism and been playing terribly. Hmm, there's a theme coming here. But yeah, 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 regardless. I mean, we'll find out tomorrow, I believe. It'll either be Derby again, most likely, who have their replay. Uh, yeah, it most likely will be. It's um, written in the stars, isn't it? You know, Wayne Rooney. Obviously, Derby, <laughs> we, we just always play Derby. We just uh, do. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm Derby and Wolves, yeah. I, I assume each game, you know, from look, look, checking the fixture list, I just assume it's going to be Derby or Wolves these days. Well, I mean, let's see. If we played Derby in the FA Cup, Two seasons ago, we played them in the League Cup last season, so I guess we are on about right. Um, <laughs> and obviously, played Wolves four times this season, and I don't think it can happen again unless they're still in the FA Cup. So they're still announced. Actually, no, they can't because we're not doing out the FA Cup. What we're talking about? We could meet them in the Europa League, mate. Oh, we could great. meet them in the, on two legs as well. You know, we could we oh, could God. be six times <laughs> in a season, and oh. you, know, you just know it'll be nil nil draws, both of them. After Saturday, I cannot wait to not watch those games. (laughs) 
Oh, God. Right, well, a slight um, detour now to uh, that uh, aforementioned PR campaign. Obviously, as uh, as you alluded to earlier on, Neil Ashton's uh, interestingly-led campaign to essentially improve Ed Woodward's public image. Now, Mm. ever since the news came out that Ashton was going to be in charge, essentially, of trying to improve these things, given Ashton's history with the sun and obviously knowing people like neil custis and all this sort of stuff i've honestly never seen such a nakedly obvious attempt to try and improve someone's public image it's been so hilariously transparent Mm. it's been so obvious it's been so not even insipid just so lackadaisical so badly and, done yeah and it's just no surprise to me that it's just fallen flat on its ass and actually in the end done more damage what do you make of it all i completely agree with you um i mean just just that the, the fact that they hired neil ashton and then announced it was kind of ludicrous because you know if he's just sort of quietly they're a spin doctor you want them to be sort of going on you want them to be spinning Stories behind the scenes, don't you? And, and keeping a pretty, pretty low profile. But he, he. Yeah, you want Capaldi in the thick of it. He, don't yeah, you? exactly. But he immediately, I mean, it's that old phrase, isn't it? When you become the story, you know, that you know the game's up. And he became the story before it even started. I mean, it was ridiculous, absolutely absurd. And it just shows the, 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 the complete incompetence at the top of the club. And also the, the lack of understanding, how little understanding these people have for how the fans are feeling. The fact that they can, they think that they can just bring in this guy who can feed a few stories to, to his pals in the press and, and just turn Ed Woodward from this sort of bumbling idiot into a misunderstood genius overnight. I mean, are they insane? I mean, we, we've, we've all, we've all got eyes. We've seen, we saw what happened with the, with, the first summit, Edward Woods first, so I'm struggling for words here. I'm so, I, <laughs> so apoplectic. I'm, honestly, you know, flying home from Australia to, to conduct, you know, crucial transfer business and then nothing happens until the transfer deadline day. Fellaini comes in for more than we could have paid for him in a few days later. You know, we all know the stories, you know, the lawyers in Spain, the fake lawyers in Spain, um, the Galacta goes. It's been a shambles, and we've all seen it be a shambles. And to think that they could just bring in this guy and transform his public image overnight. Oh, God. I mean, the, the, the levels of disrespect that they've got for the fans is, is absolutely unbelievable. And they've done themselves no favours here. No, absolutely not. And that's fed into two things you know, that, that we still need to discuss when it comes to this topic. And number one, I want to specifically ask you about this obviously because you know you are at Old Trafford a lot more than I am these days what do you make of the criticisms of the uh should we say rather colorful chants directed towards Ed Woodward at the minute I mean they're not very pleasant I mean I go there quite often with my son who's you know he's quite young and and listen they're not pleasant songs but I mean we've been singing them about singing these songs about City and Liverpool for years it uh, I suppose it is a bit different when it's about individuals, but some of the stuff that I've read in the press about them has been absolutely absurd. I mean, this isn't, it's not a bunch of guys turning up outside Marks and Spencers or Tesco and singing about their chief executive or their owners or whatever. This is a football club. Football clubs have huge history. They're huge parts of the community. Um, people 
people really, they're a huge part of people's lives. It's almost like a, a, an extension of, of, of the family for some people. You know what I mean? It's, and it's also, you know, people go, go to, to matches with their, their mums, their dads, their granddads, their, their uncles. And, and it's this huge sort of bringing together of, of the whole families, whole communities. And these people, you know, the Glazers and obviously Ed Woodward have done huge damage to Manchester United now for over a decade. Huge damage. And I hate this, this other thing that actually, that, that, that this other narrative that seems to have emerged. And United fans are just a bit pissed off because we're, because we're in fifth. I, I mean, it's, so nonsensical and so insulting because it's about way more than that. And yeah, the, the songs aren't very pleasant, but I doubt there's a single person singing it who's thinking, yeah, you know, I really am intending to go and cut Edward Wood into little pieces. I mean, I think the best way to describe it is that, yes, they are particularly unpleasant. Yeah. You know, realistically, this should not be happening. But at the same time, this sort of stuff, if you're not aware of it if you haven't experienced it before you can say it and i can say it we've both been there enough times mm. it happens a lot it happens all the time it really really does this has been happening for decades in football stadiums up and down the country and that is not me trying to make light of it yeah. because it's not ideal you know no one comes out of this situation looking good no, no one whatsoever fans are really mm. seriously angry and, and it's well, this moves on to the next part, you know, just to state again, for the record, no, I'm not a fan of these chants, and I'm sure you aren't no. too. I don't think, most of the people that we know, I'm not saying that the people who are making these chants are absolutely horrific people. I think there is an element that you can say, I mean, God knows how seriously you should really take these things, because we're in an interesting climate, so should we, mm. <laughs> political climate at the moment. Anyway, we're, we're away from that, chants bad. Would like yeah. to hear them less. Thank you very much. Yeah. The big thing that I think throughout this whole episode over the last few weeks, when we've seen Manchester press pack journalists or football writers and all the aftermath and the people criticising what happened at Ed Woodward's home, yeah. and especially the biggest mistake that Ed Woodward and Neil Ashton... Actually, no, the biggest mistake that Ed Woodward has made over the almost seven years he's had in charge is thinking that he can get away with anything and the fans will not make life very difficult for him that has been the massive downfall and why you are seeing such vitriol directed towards him these days because essentially patience has just completely run out yeah been such a long long period of consistent errors yeah poor judgment substandard investment and we are seeing at this stage, the easy way to describe it is the end of Manchester United as a team that is going to consistently challenge for top four in Champions League places. It certainly looks that way. And, and also, uh, uh, I mean, he, he, the thing with Edward as well is, I mean, obviously he's the face of the Glazers, isn't he? I know, you know, obviously United fans despise the Glazers, but he also brokered the deal to bring the Glazers into the club. So he's, he's intrinsically linked to them. And he's picked himself up a lot over the last seven years. You know, he's, he's sort of played up to this image of like, oh, you know, I mean, even the things he said, you know, we can do things in the transfer market that other clubs can only dream of and playing performance doesn't, I'm trying to get these quotes exactly right, playing performance doesn't really have a meaningful impact on what we can do on the commercial side of the business. And he can't have believed that when he said it, surely. So if, if he's, if he did believe that, then he's an idiot. 
and he's not an idiot because he's you know clearly clearly isn't an idiot. He's an intelligent man, which makes you think, well, he's just lying, isn't he? He's telling investors one thing, fans another. You know where it, it and not it can't all be true. So he's he's kind of built himself up, and he's not delivered. We are where we are now. I, you know, obviously turning up at, at someone's house, whether he's there or not, you know, you, you can't be doing that. It's just not. It's not. It's not how civilized society works. We, but the fact that that there was even a conspiracy theory, and I sort of joked about it the next day, but people genuinely believe that there were, that this has been staged. The fact that people are even considering that to be a possibility shows the the lack of trust between those at the top of the club. And just match going fans, you know, no ordinary, not even match going fans, but ordinary fans. Hmm. You know what I mean? It, it, to, to even consider that to be a possibility shows just how, what a mess the club is in. <laughs> well, um, Paul from the No Question About That podcast actually had the perfect repost for this. He said, there was a brief moment where the thought that maybe this was staged crossed my mind, which should give you an indication as to just how disastrous this PR campaign has actually yeah. been. And I think that hits the nail on the head. The fact that that, that thought even crosses yeah, our mind. We're most like, almost likely there's, there's no chance it was staged whatsoever. The fact that we think that's possible. This could actually happen. You start going full on tinfoil hat on an all, on the whole situation. You do because then you, it's you, just you're looking back thinking, well, Neil Ash, you know, he worked for The Sun and The Sun are just disgusting in the news of the world. And, you know, they got, they got shut down pretty much. For, for phone hacking, you know, and th- th- so you do you start mm-hmm. thinking, oh, well, maybe, who knows? But of course, it's 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 ludicrous. But this is the mm-hmm. this is the the level of mistrust that there is now. And where do you go from there? How do you how do you fix this? I mean, I don't know what he, realistically he can do now to get the fans back on side. I think the I mean, even during the better times, so let's say, you know, during the Europa League League Cup winning campaign under Mourinho, mm. all right, things weren't always ideal on the pitch, but there was enough success on there. And I think there is a level of acceptance that you can have for the Glazers and Ed Woodward if United are winning on the pitch or winning just enough yeah. to keep everyone pretty happy. <clears throat> the problem is when we have a situation like we have now, United are obviously in pretty crap league form at the moment. We don't look capable of sealing a top four finish. And, you know, our continued presence as a Champions League side is essentially over now. Let's be honest. You know, it, we're not in there enough. We're not competing for the title. We're a an also ran in English and European football at the moment. And that's the sad truth of the matter. When you get to that situation, that's when fans start to lose patience. And again, going back to what I was saying earlier on, Woodward's biggest mistake is thinking that he could just fail and fail and fail and eventually he would succeed and the fans would just go along with it. Because he's the only constant during the last seven years, six and a half years, he's the only constant, isn't he? Him and the Glazers, the only constant at the club. You know, we've tried tried Moyes, who's like a Fergie light. We've tried the incredibly experienced... Louis van Gaal, we've tried the, the serial winner, you know, the guaranteed trophies, Jose Mourinho. Now we're trying, obviously, a club legend. None of them have worked. And obviously, I'm still hoping that Ollie will. We'll come on to that maybe later, but, but none of them have worked. Have and to. the only, the only thing that's been there the whole time is Woodward, you know? Mm. He's got all these decisions wrong. And, and yeah, you know, you look back and think, well, how much did, did Jose Mourinho want Paul Pogba? How much did Van Gaal want De Maria? I don't know. But you do get the feeling that some of the signings over the years have been 
pretty much his idea to show off, mm. you know, like look at look at the size of my balls kind of thing. Mm. Oh, to put it crudely. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's post watershed, so it's fine. I mean we're probably gonna push the explicit rating on iTunes for this one, but never yeah. mind. we've been bridging that gap for some time. There's only so many fucks I can edit out. Um no, I mean the again looking at the situation in a reasonable manner, I think we're both in agreement in the sense that there is no way either of us would be joining uh, people outside of Woodward's house to chuck flares into his front garden, regardless of whether his family were home or not. The massive issue, and again, going back to what Paul said on last week's podcast, because it was a really interesting chat, and I would thoroughly recommend you go and listen if you haven't already. The interesting note is that the way I view United's fan base at the minute, you look at what the club has gone through over the last seven years, and the 15 years as well in particular, if you look at you know the Glazers in particular in mm. terms of the takeover. We've seen a very checkered history in terms of player investment. We have seen commercials solidly increase and probably now reach a, a reasonable plateau in terms of the amount of money coming into the club. Yeah. We've seen a regular trophy uh, competitiveness dry up we've seen a lowering in terms of the quality and standard of play that we actually bring into the club and eventually those things take their toll on a fan base yeah. you know i think if you look at the regular local match day going fans they've been remarkably patient in the context of where united were as to where they are now i don't think the fans of any of the big club would have taken this with no. anywhere near the amount of patience and understanding that the United fan base has done so for the most part. And ultimately, as you mentioned before, because United is such a, such a huge intrinsic part of some people's lives, you know, it's obviously massively important to us as well. Mm. But if you keep mucking around with things, if you keep doing things and expecting that there will be no comeuppance, then you get situations like this. Mm. The atmosphere on Saturday, as you mentioned, was obviously a lot more muted because people have essentially given up. But it won't take long for things to turn more mutinous. And that, again, points to the massive misunderstanding that the board and Edward would have made of thinking they could just keep getting away with it. Yeah. And it turns out that they can't. And quite frankly, I don't know what they do to turn that around. I don't think there is an easy fix. I think, as you mentioned, fans are going to be continually and constantly distrustful of anything they try and implement. They've got it all to prove. And given the way that the club has been less than forthcoming when it means real investment on a consistent basis to turn us into a title, you know, league winning side, whatever, it, it, I don't think it's going to get any better anytime soon. Sorry to be so glum about it, but I think that's pretty much the whole equation, right? Yeah, I think so. You know, obviously, I think it looks to me like Woodward is putting all of his eggs in the Solskjaer basket. I mean, there's obviously rumours still about Pochettino coming in the summer, blah, blah, blah. But um, a part of that, I think, is... I don't know who came up with the idea first. I, I'm, I'm, I like to think it was Solskjaer who's coming. And I, probably, I think it probably was Solskjaer who's coming and said, look, this what's gone on before the, in this last six and a half years hasn't worked. We need to bring in young players. We need to promote from the academy. No doubt they'll be working with Nicky Butt in that respect. And I would have thought the Glazers and Woodward would have snapped his hand off and said, yeah, this is, you know, because they don't want to spend any money. They're not making as much money now. They want their dividends. I don't know what the, the way out of this is. I don't know how much effect protests will have. People say you've got to hit them in the pockets. Well, they're already being hit in the pocket in terms of the United as a club. But the Glazers aren't being hit in the pocket yet and won't be for some time yet because United is a huge 
financial Goliath, you know. And even if that, obviously, as it look as it looks like it will, even that, if that tails off, they're still going to be making an absolute load of money. So what's the way out? I don't know. And Saudis taking over? I mean, I don't know. Bloody hell. It's a real nightmare. And you mentioned before, you know, the, the, the Wolves game just got... I mean, the Burnley game, just to go back quickly, because I wasn't on the pod last after the Burnley game, the atmosphere that night, it felt kind of... It did feel kind of mutinous. It, it felt kind of um, almost like a revolt. Not that loud, but just this, this real sense of unease and, you know, like a tin, tin, tinderbox... Wolves on uh, on Saturday it was just completely dead. You know, there was a bit of singing from the singing section, but there was very, very little, if anything, in, in the rest of the crowd. And it is this sort of sense of hopelessness because, like, what do we do? What do we do? Hmm. I mean, talk about the city game. Yeah, let's do that. That was that was actually yeah. Let's do that. I mean, that was fun. That was fun. I mean, well, it wasn't terrible, was it? No. I mean, it wasn't ideal. It wasn't unnecessarily a, again a uh, a joy. But I mean. You know, realistically, the the tie was essentially over in the first leg, right? You know, City scored all of their goals in one half of this two-legged tie and was still able to get through with a relative degree of comfort. Yeah, amazing, really. And again, very much reminded me of uh, United's game against City at the Etihad uh, in December in the sense that we were playing a very, very risky game in terms of trying to spring forward and playing with a sort of a haphazard approach to defending and we gave City a lot of opportunities and again on another day let's be frank City could have scored three or four you know they had two goals correctly chalked off for offside but they were very very tight calls and yeah a couple of decent saves by Dave it was nice to see him have a good evening yeah, it was. between the sticks and important as well when he made those two early saves in particular because if they go in you're in for a long night then aren't you because heads would have dropped mm. and in and City did look like they were in the mood, so hugely important saves. And I thought it was a good performance. I mean, I thought we were let down a little bit by the the, the attackers. As we said so often, the, you know, these days, I thought the game plan was good. Obviously, when Matic got sent off, that just went out the window. But at that point, we, it, it was a bit like... I mean, Solskjaer was, you know, it was desperate for the spirit of Paris 19 to be rekindled wasn't he and he kept on talking about it and you can see why yeah I mean there there were definitely similarities there were. Weren't there? United did a good job of staying on the edge of the tie for the most yeah. part in that game they just couldn't quite get over the line there wasn't that Kimbepe uh, adjudged handball yeah. to pull us over the line and get us through to penalties he'll have said won't he that get through to the last get to the last 10-15 minutes still in the game that's exactly what he all said and we did that and then yeah obviously what happened happened but I don't know, but what the, the the main thing that I took from that game was that we, at least we 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 didn't go, we just didn't just lie down and die. You know what I mean? We, the, we showed a bit of spirit, and I mean it's come to this, you and we showed spirit. Yeah, and that's what I'm taking from that game. Yeah, that's all indeed. I've got. Yeah, I mean, no disagreements here. I mean, it was a nice goal from Matic. And it was. Given how we were completely preparing for him to bugger off to Italy during the course of January, he's actually come into the side and done all right. I've been really impressed. Still got his same limitations and still doesn't really give us much of anything no. in attacking sense, apart from that absolutely great finish for the first goal. First and only goal of that second leg. It was taken really well. It was, yeah, and he, he, I thought he played well. I thought Fred played well. Fred, I really like Fred as well. Again, you know, these guys are not the required quality to, to be challenging for titles. That's where we are at the moment. There's too many players like that in the squad. But at least with, with Fred 
and 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 Matic as well in his own sort of slow, quiet way. They do work hard, you know, and it can't be easy going to the Etihad in, in those circumstances. Three one down, you know, you're missing three of your best players, and then when City came out of the traps like they did, I thought I was quite impressed with the, with the with the um, with the like I said the spirit and and, and the way that the United just plugged away, plugged away, and actually. There were a couple of opportunities to break away and we just didn't do it. I thought Lingard was abysmal. Well, I mean, that was an interesting element of uh, observation when no. Solskjaer was seen very clearly shouting, oh, screaming at Lingard, one more and you're f***ing off. Yeah. No, it's nice to see Oli get a little bit of fire. I mean, again, the the clear issue in that game wasn't so much you know obviously the match it's sending off I thought it was interesting that Solskjaer tried to argue that point there wasn't really much to say it was as blatant as the Zinchenko red card for City against Spurs yesterday which was by the way hilarious because it is so so rare you see City actually take a red card yeah. they are annoyingly annoyingly adept when it comes to tactical fouling. It's wasn't it? They either get one yellow card per person and that's it. But that was really enjoyable to watch. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, Matic red card, no complaints with that. You know, he's just taking the player out and he's already on a booking. You know, it was unnecessary and I know he's trying to stop a break, but, you know, it was far worse for us to actually go and down to 10 men. And the problem was, even when the, all those vague occasions where we actually could attack City, once City got back and defended and they were sat back, it was impossible for us to make any space. You know, we haven't got the players at the moment in order to penetrate a team like mm. that. And that is the sad fact of the matter. You know, when it comes to open play, there's there's just no chance. You know, I mean, the only thing you can say there was Harry Maguire missing a pretty decent chance with the header. As soon as that went in, I was just finding myself thinking, is that the chance? And yeah. it proved to be, you know, we can take some credit from it. But, you know, are, are we now, are we going to, we can take some credit from it FC, which is, again, the big concern for us going forward. I know what you're saying. I mean, I don't know what you, how you feel about this, but I, I, going into this season... I wasn't expecting us to, to get in the top four with the squad we had, the players we let go, the players we bought. Obviously, quite a lot of young players coming through. Uh, I wasn't expecting us to get into the top four. I'm actually surprised that we're so, still so close to the top four. That's because everyone else is rubbish. Yeah, they are absolutely. But I mean, I wasn't expecting them to be as rubbish as they have been. I thought Spurs would be. I thought there'd be four teams better than us: Liverpool, City, Leicester. I have to say, and Spurs, and then. Who knows underneath that? But uh, yeah, it's been a frustrating season. It's been a long season. It's not been helped by the injuries that we've had to really important players and the thinness of the squad. We've been through all this before. I'm really down about the club and the the off field stuff. You know, the Glazers, the wood, uh, Woodward, and all that sort of thing. But in terms of the football, it's frustrating. It can, it's certainly been very samey. We can't break teams down, but there's still stuff that I've seen that I like. There's still, for me, a little bit of hope. We just need some... We need a rest and we need some players to come back from injury and, and I think it'll be a different story. Well, I mean, I admire the optimism. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk... <laughs> I mean, that sounded really, really patronising. No, no, we'll I am, I am that, ridiculous. I, I'm, I'm optimistic to, to, to a fault when it comes to um, United, I have to say. And I quite often get it oh, wrong. bless you. <laughs> oh, you awesome summer child. Um, <laughs> now, it, it's... Now, I mean, I would love nothing more than to see United make a real go of it over the next couple of months. And with the two players we're about to be talking about, 
coming into the squad with Pogba hopefully back over the next couple of weeks, with McTominay maybe back in March and Rashford maybe in April. I mean, who knows what position we'll be in by then. If we can get through to the last two months of the season, still in the Europa League, still in with a shout at top four, that'll be an incredible result but That's for the us. thing, isn't it? It's getting through, and that's yeah. what we're doing at the moment. We're just we're, we're getting through. We're scraping through. And it, we are surviving I just don't, barely. Yeah, and yes. I don't think that... You know, Solskjaer's made mistakes, and plenty of them, and, and yeah, I accept that. But the big mistakes for me are not on him. It's it's getting rid of too many players. Well, getting rid of the players is fine. Not bringing enough players in because we just haven't got the bodies. Mm. And we saw this against Wolves on Saturday. I mean, now Roman Bissaka looks exhausted. Daniel James looks mm. mentally exhausted. He's come to this club thinking, oh, I'll, I'll maybe play, I don't know, ten, fifteen games, and he's he's starting having bloody match. It's ridiculous. I mean, talking of transfers, you know, in terms of the players that we let go, that leads us nicely on to the second player we actually signed uh, over the January transfer window on deadline day itself. Oh, Gianni Garlo. Now, that was an interesting one. Came uh, somewhat out of the blue. There have been some discussions on the Thursday, apparently. And obviously, considering that, as Laurie Whitwell from The Athletic pointed out, we were linked with over 100 players over the course of this transfer window. Obviously, it can get a little bit difficult to see the wood from the trees. Um, Now, Igalo coming in. Obviously, the easy point to make is that this is a agonised reaction to the fact that United have lost Rashford for the next coming months. And arguably, it's a reaction to the fact that the club has now realised several months down the line that we can't be expected to muddle through with a forward line featuring Martial, Rashford, Lingard, James and Mason Greenwood. I think Mason Greenwood has done amazing to pick the goals up that he has. I think Rashford has been the brightest spot of this season by some distance, and Martial has shown glimpses of the form that made us love him so much in that second season under Van Hall, his first year at the club. But we knew we needed more. We knew in the summer we needed more, and it's taken us till January to sort yeah, that out. Who could, who could have foreseen this, this situation? Who could have foreseen it, even? Uh, you, and me, yeah. and uh, most other United fans, but there we go. <laughs> Regardless, I mean, Igalo would not... If I was drawing up a short list of strikers that I would have wanted United to go for during this window, I don't even know if Igalo would have got on to No, it. absolutely. Um, obviously, there's a nice romantic element because he's clearly got a lot of fondness for the club in his heart. Obviously, it was cool to see him with his little United shirt when he was yeah. a kid. That was great. But, I mean, it, it's going to be a massive jarring change for him. You know, he's been playing in China mm. for three seasons. This is a huge step up to the Premier League level at this stage. And the game has definitely changed in the time that he's been away from England. So you're hoping, I mean, obviously he's done quite well for the Super Eagles playing for Nigeria. So I'm hoping that that sharpness, because he's still been scoring goals wherever he's been, is still there and he's able to help us and we get more of a target man, someone who can help bring the likes of Martial and James into the game and someone who's going to run off defenders because we're missing that. And be able to hold the ball up as well. I mean, we just haven't got anyone in the team who can hold the ball up. Yeah, it's a weird signing, and, and obviously there's there's a lot of accusations of, of desperation, and you know, oh, how can a club at Manchester United be be signing a, a player like this on deadline day? You know, what, what, it's how far they've fallen, and it is a sign of how far we've fallen in terms of our transfer strategy and, and and forward planning and all that sort of thing. I think you're probably doing it a bit of disservice to call it a strategy, to be honest, mate. I mean, I don't know. Look, if he if he gets a few goals and makes the difference between finishing. Outside the top four and inside the top four, don't know what's going to happen, by the way. But or you know, gets a couple of goals in 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 one of the cups, 
then, you know, we could look back on this in the summer and say what an inspired decision that was. But, I mean, it does scream a bit of desperation, but I wish the guy well, obviously. And, and to be honest with you, I think at this stage it was just literally a case of we need, we need more bodies, we need more people, we need more players because these guys cannot cope as they are. They just can't physically, mentally. I mean, once you accept that United's approach to transfers is complete bollocks, then it makes it a lot easier to accept the fact yeah. that Agalo's joined the club. And I do look forward to him playing because we need to give some of these lads a rest. Obviously, the winter break's come at a good time for that, but we need yeah, more I- options up front. And I hope he'll do quite well for us. I really do, and also you know, at, at this stage, you know, because of the, because there has been no planning, because we didn't replace players in the summer, because we are desperate. I would rather get a guy on loan for the next few months till the summer, see what happens. It's an extra body rather than just basically waste a load of money on on, on someone we don't really want for the future. So yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I think it. it, it could work. Could yeah. Who knows? Well, Ollie said. Yeah, Ollie said in the interviews given uh, after we actually got Agallo over the line, uh, they didn't have time to actually sort out an option right. to buy, but he the. Yeah. They are considering it, depending yeah. on how things go. I mean, it would be the most United thing. It would be the most United thing for him to score three goals in his first couple of games and United suddenly to say, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're going to buy him in the summer to them to then not score for the next 20 matches. Why does that really That is well? exactly what will happen. Mark my goddamn <laughs> no, words. Yeah, we'll see. It is nice that he's a United fan. and You know, maybe he'll play for the shirt, Ewan. He's got United DNA. Oh, that's, great. that's that'll that's all we I mean, need these days. My eyes just glazed over when you said that because I just didn't know. I just got an existential crisis dumped on top of me. That was horrific. Anyway, existential crisis. Speaking of which, Bruno Fernandez. We signed him. Talk to me about that. Finally, oh, finally, Bru- <laughs> finally, Bruno <laughs> Fernandez, and finally a midfielder again. I mean, you know, we, we we apparently we weren't after him over the summer. You know, they were they, they all came out. Didn't they? United came out and said, "Oh, leave us alone! Stop, stop linking us to Bruno Fernandez. It's all, it's all bullshit." Now they're saying we've been, we've been scouting him since 2015, and yeah, yeah, we really like this guy. You know, he's perfect for us and all that sort of thing. Look at his stats. Look at his numbers. We we are where we are. I'm not sure if he was first choice. We might never know. But I liked what I saw on Saturday against Wolves. Obviously, it's his first game. He's had what one training session with us. It's been thrown in kind of at the deep end. Um, but he, he he plays on the front foot. He's positive. He tries things. There were a couple of times when he tried a couple of sort of deft passes, and the, the player who was trying to pass two just didn't get it at all. Just completely on different wavelengths. But that sort of thing will come hopefully in time. He needs a lot more movement around him. A bit like a French midfielder we used to have playing for us. I can't remember his name. With a player like Rashford on the left and Greenwood on the right, or whatever, you know, Martial in a better form. He could make a really big difference, and I really liked his leadership as well. He was barking orders at Daniel James and a few other players on Saturday, so it's just nice to get a fresh face into the club. Yeah, yeah, I don't disagree. I mean, the the thing that I'm concerned about is the amount of pressure on his yeah. shoulders coming into this side, this malfunctioning blob of a team that doesn't create many chances, that has not been scoring many, many goals... <laughs> and has not been able to consistently produce results over the last two years or so now. Yeah. And it's a lot of pressure when, I mean, even if you're coming from the Portuguese league, to have a reputation as someone who can make things happen, who can assist, who can score goals, who can score penalties, 
to then come into this team and to be expected to create. Now, I barely saw any of the game. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, what my hope is, is as you mentioned there, it was really good to hear that he was, um, you know, obviously offering his leadership abilities and making that very clear and very visible and geeing up his teammates, etc. And I hope that can continue. Uh, because my worry is that he's just going to get enveloped in what United currently are, which you see this happening to 90% of the players that are playing for us at the moment. There's only a few players that are technically immune to what's going on in terms of our inability to score and our lack of confidence and all the other things that are currently uh, affecting our side. You know, it's, it's not like maybe Fred, I think, maybe in yeah. one other, that yeah. are essentially just seem to be able to produce consistently for us and don't seem to be affected by the Malay. So... Yeah, if we can get him producing for us, that'll be massive between now and the end of the season. Obviously, he's not cup tied for the Europa League because that rule doesn't exist anymore, so that's great. And mm. yeah, I mean, performances like Andreas Pereira, you just need uh, someone to come in there and offer us something. Yes, Matic has played well lately. Yes, Fred has really turned a corner over the last few months and is starting to show why we actually pay so much money for him. But they do not really provide much in terms of killer passes and useful assists. We need someone to do that. It's not going to be Pereira. So, Bruno, you're up, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And to tell you what, one thing he has got going for him. He's got humble arrogance, Ewan. Humble arrogance. Humble arrogance, apparently. This is the most cynical I've ever heard you on this podcast. (laughs) I honestly thought you were going to come out with a succinct point there, but no, more piss taking. <laughs> no, it's all this this stuff, this absolute rubbish that comes out of the club. I mean, humble arrogance. Come on. Mm. But yeah, apparently he's got a good character, which is obviously great. And like I say, he did show a bit of that on, um, on Saturday. Mm. Uh, and yeah, you know, it, the trouble is he's surrounded by mediocrity and, like you say, lack of confidence. I don't know why Solskjaer was playing Pereira on the left wing. I don't think I'll ever know why Solskjaer was playing Pereira on the left wing. He needs to come out and explain himself, damn it. I'm, I'm pleased with him. He's, you know, we needed to sign someone. The worry is that that's just the money coming out of the Pogba money in the summer because we, we don't spend a lot of money these days and he can't do it all himself. We need... We don't just need one player, do we? We don't just need one player and a low knee. We need, well, a rebuild. And I suppose we're trying to do it slowly. I'm not sure that they really wanted to buy anyone this month. I don't think they did. It's it's just become apparent to them, as it was apparent to us in the summer, that we were desperately short of bodies. Yeah, that's exactly it. Injuries to two players like McTominay and Pogba, obviously with the way McTominay is coming and with the way that Pogba can influence games, certainly when there is something to influence. Uh, Massive loss for what Solskjaer was trying to do this season. And I wouldn't be surprised if he pushed very hard to make sure this deal got over the line. And considering that it took us this long to get it done, like, do I even need to make the criticism? It's ridiculous that it took us this long to negotiate over a player when, again, eventually we ended up paying, if not close to the exact fee that Sporting were originally quoting. It's just normal service at United, though, isn't it, these days? Glad that we've got it over the line, but good grief, you can't tell me that we couldn't have dealt with that situation a whole lot better than we did. And I tell you what, wouldn't wouldn't it be nice to have him in the squad early January? When, you know, we already had the injuries to Pogba and McTominay. I mean, true, true. That would have been nice. A horrific looking fixture list. But hey, we didn't. So we've got him and that, and and it is positive. It's really positive. And I'll tell you what, that that was the only time really that on Saturday where the crowd was lifted was when he was announced, obviously before the match, there was a big cheer and then there were a lot of Bruno, Brunos. So it gives the crowd a bit of a lift. 
did anyway for about five minutes and then normal like, service was <laughs> soul king on the, in the stands really yeah uh, yeah, I mean, I guess there's not really much to take out of that game against Wolves. You know, obviously we try and provide a little bit more context and a bit more of an appraisal of the game, but what can you take of that, out of that nil-nil? You know, it, it was drab. It was very similar from what I could see to the game that we played at Molyneux uh, back in yeah. January in the FA Cup. You know, I think it, it two, was... two teams that were pretty exhausted. Yeah. Obviously, Wolves have had, what, I think it's like five days extra rest or something, maybe. But you could see that they've, you know, they've obviously been in the Europa League as well. And you could see that both teams were tired, but United just looked... I mean, it's not just the physical... I keep saying it, it's not just the physical tiredness, it's the mental tiredness with such young players, you know. And, and then, obviously, that all the stuff going on around... You know, outside of the of, of the football, and the players will pick up on that. The worry is now that Old Trafford, be, because our, our home form was better, and obviously than our away form earlier in the season. The worry is now that the home form sort of suffers because the players are kind of nervous and and you know under huge pressure. So I think the breaks come at a good time. On a mental level, for me, yes. On a mental and physical yeah. level for those players, also absolutely yes. They need a break. Martial looks absolutely done on his feet. James was never expected to play this many games. Lingard is still struggling. Andreas Pereira is still Andreas Pereira. Yeah. Fred, bless him, just needs a week off I from don't know doing how he does it. anything football-related. He is a machine, and it's eventually, if he keeps going on like this, we will lose him to an injury at some stage. It is just fated. So, yeah, I am pleased from that perspective that we've got two weeks off from United. I mean, the problem is, is that when we come back in two weeks' time, we've got a massive game for our top four hopes against Chelsea away at Stamford Bridge. You know, I watched a good chunk of that game against Leicester on Saturday, and I've learnt nothing more about them. You know, I mean, one of the things that we can say about United's January transfer business in comparison with a lot of teams around them is that at least we took two areas of the team that we knew we needed to improve on and strengthen, and we did that. Chelsea, yeah. despite the fact that they managed to get that ban overturned, did absolutely naff all, and they really look like they're paying for it. So many times no. in that first half against Leicester, they just cut the home side apart, but couldn't find a finisher. Yeah, they scored two goals, but in that second half, they were lucky to still be in that game. And I think it's going to be a really tight game at Stamford Bridge. It often is. You know, we haven't won there comfortably in a very long time. Even the uh, the League Cup victory a couple of months ago with that amazing Rashford free kick was, you know, it wasn't necessarily the smoothest of rides. It's going to be a tough one. And you, you would say if we end up losing that game, it's got to be curtains for top four. It's got to concentrate on Europe, right? Yeah, you'd think so, wouldn't you? Because again, it's mentioning Pogba again, we, I don't know where he's up to with his injury, but apparently I've read today that he um, is having to be driven around because he can't drive. Because he, I think Solskjaer did say weeks, didn't he? And now, obviously, he's had this operation. Hmm, who knows? And, and then, obviously, with Tom, because Rashford, we know, is out, maybe possibly even for the rest of the season, depending on what happens. We could really do with at least one of them back, though, couldn't we? Please, yeah. great because we're so sh- so short of numbers. I mean, it's it's a bit of a six pointer, isn't it? They're really? all six pointers because we've got so many teams around us at the minute, and the uh, connotations for losing or dropping points for several games in a row are so stark because you've got the likes of Sheffield United who are now above us in the table. You've got Spurs who are putting in together a decent run of form. You've got Arsenal being Arsenal. There are so many teams below us at the moment who could very easily overtake us and leave us stranded in ninth, tenth, eleventh place if we don't buck our ideas up. 
and I don't necessarily think that's as sobering a thought for the club as it perhaps should be because maybe they expect it but yeah it, it could get decidedly more ugly in terms of that finishing league position before uh, May is out we can't win more than two games on no. the trot can we really what have we got we've got Chelsea haven't we Club Bruges Bruges isn't it I don't know yeah win those two and then just lose so draw with Watford mm. that's what I'd suggest so you don't think a girl is going to get a goal against his old club <laughs> maybe I keep forgetting he's even here no, I, yeah, I keep forgetting about Igalo. He's going to turn our fortunes around. Uh, how? <laughs> <laughs> uh, exactly. I'll tell you what, leave it there, leave it there. You know, we could be laughing in two <laughs> weeks' time when he scores a last minute header, having come on as a substitute in the 92nd minute uh, at Stamford Bridge. You, know, you, you never know. You never know. Minutes. It might be inspired. Yeah. Well, I really, genuinely do hope so. Oh, me too. It'd be amazing, wouldn't it? And amazing mm. for him, because like you said, he's a United fan and everything, so it'd be great. It would be lovely. Right, from two United fans to speaking about all the other crazy United things that we have over the last hour or so. Paul, I think we'll leave it there. I'm knackered, I don't know about you. Yeah, that's enough for me. Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, it was a little bit cheerier than the last time we did this podcast. And I don't know if you've listened to the episode that Rich and I did about two weeks ago. I did, but I, ha- I had to leave it a few days because I was really deeply depressed after that pretty much. <laughs> That's it, honestly, like I've never, I, I've never been so despondent coming away from Old Trafford as I was that night. I was, oh, it was horrific. So yeah, I did listen to it, but I had to give it some time. Oh, thank you. See, you could have gotten away with saying, "Well, I wasn't on that episode, so I didn't bother listening to it." But <laughs> I don't bother listening to you guys. Oh yeah, I mean, I'd never listen to the episodes that I'm not on. Obviously, I'm on all of them, so I always <laughs> listen. Anyway, yeah, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> let's leave it there. We're just waffling now. Cheers, Paul. Guys, thank you very much for listening as always. And don't forget, you can get us all over the internet, should you so wish. Specifically, Twitter to start off with. You can get the pod at Red Voices MUFC. You can get Paul at Paul Gunning One. And you can get me at At You and Then It. And Rich at Rich Red Voices. Our blog at redvoices.net. And the podcast can actually be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher. And if you are so inclined, please consider giving us a review and a rating on any device you so choose iTunes would be absolutely wonderful. Guys, have yourselves a superb winter break. We will return after the Chelsea game. Good night. <laughs>